Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. The freedoms that Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood, sweat, and tears of many generations of our nation's military. The Military Hour is dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our Constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself, General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now, it's the Military Hour with your host, Donna Lyon. Radio Network. I am your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. And I'm really excited to have my guest on today and and honored. Um, He is uh, a former U.S. Marine, Chad Wooten, and he has quite a story to tell us. And a bit later, we will also be talking to Kim Bradley, combat casualty visiting nurse, who will give us insight into current programs for veterans and healing and tell us how she met Chad. And then uh, I think before she comes on, we're gonna have Andy Manzi, who is with the Warrior Surf Foundation. And he's gonna tell us how he knows Chad as well and how they work together. But Chad has made it his mission to continue to serve the veteran community and has been working with Upstate Warrior Solution uh, for a while now. And we're gonna have him tell us his story and um, any other stories he feels like telling us today. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor and pleasure. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you could come on, and I want to thank my daughter, Brooke uh, Ashley Dominic, for um, bringing you to my attention because you have such an amazing story, and after speaking with you on the phone, I was just completely blown away. So I am just thrilled to have you on. And what, I, I have to ask this question. A lot of people know at an early age, Uh, you know, as children, that they want to go into the military. What was it that made you want to go into the military? Well, um, you know, I I was living down in Texas. Uh, That's where I did most of my growing up. And, um, you know, Texas is a very patriotic uh, part of the country. And, you know, my uh, I have grandfathers on both sides um, and great grandfathers on both sides of my family that have uh, have fought in, you know, an array of different wars. Um, And, you know, it's always something that I looked at and was just proud to know that, you know, somebody from my bloodline had had been there and, and fought for this country. And, I was getting to the point uh, at the end of my high school career and kind of realizing like if I went to college, man, like, am I going to go there? And, 
you know, flunk out my first year, have to go back to community college, be a disappointment to my parents because I'm partying too hard, or should I go and do something greater than myself? And uh, so I chose the latter, and um, I, I absolutely regret nothing about my decision to join. Um, now, my decision to join the Marines out of any branch, that uh, is just due to the fact that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a nut, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted a, a good challenge, and I sure got it. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say. Well, now tell us when you when you did go into the military, give us a little background of where you were and all the places mm-hmm. you've gone and what you've seen and what you did. Happily, yeah. Um, well, I'd like to first start by, uh, you know, uh, talking about um, my family and kind of where I came from, because um, it's really important Please to do. me. Um, and I, I think I think it's important, um, you know, to have a grasp of like where I came from before the military, because what I've learned is that um, the military changes you, you know, for good or ill. Um, but you're indoctrinated and inoculated into a society and a culture that uh, that carries with you. But the things uh, that start the baseline of, of who you are and, and what you're going to end up being is when you finally grow up, which I don't think I have done yet, but I'm, I'm driving towards it pretty quick. <laughs> uh, you know, that I, I feel like that, that comes from, you know, the, uh, the moral values and how you were raised um, and, and what your parents were capable of instilling in you. And um, I have two incredibly amazing parents, um, Carl and Janae Wooten, um, one sister, Kaylee. It's actually her birthday today, so I want to throw a solid shout-out to her and say happy oh, birthday, happy Kaylee. Birthday, I love Kaylee. you. From, us in, from all of us in Washington, D.C., too. Happy, happy birthday. She's on her way out to uh, uh Disneyland and Harry Potter land to uh, celebrate her birthday as a, as a, an adult. So that should be a good time for her, but uh, how fun, how fun. Yeah. So uh, I've got um, my sister Kaylee. She's a few years younger than me. Um, My parents, um, they raised us. I I grew up mostly uh, in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, And uh, you know, growing up, I was always outdoors out, doing things active, you know, a little bit of a troublemaker, but, you know, I always, uh, kept my, my friends close and had my family as a backstop. So, um, you know, I, I was involved in football, hockey, played some rugby, um, swam, ran track, wakeboarded, um, you know, so I was always out and about doing things. And so I think that when I got to the point of, uh, having to make that decision of, all right, is it college time or what? I, I really was drawn towards, being outdoors, doing something cool, and trying to find my own path. Um, and, and that's really where I, I launched uh, in 2006. Um, I headed to boot camp um, MCRD San Diego um, and uh, graduated in 2007 where I was then uh, pushed over to the uh, School of Infantry. I graduated as a machine gunner um, from the School of Infantry in, in San Diego in 2007. Um, where I was then uh, slid over to 1st Battalion, 7th Marines up in 29 Palms, California. So my decision to become a machine gunner um, wasn't my immediate choice, actually. I really wanted to be an assaultman because uh, I like I liked explosives. So I was like, you know, if I get to play with <laughs> yeah. explosives all day, this is going to be great. Like, <laughs> But one of my uh, one of my best friends in the world, uh, I call him Big Red, but uh, his name is Hiram Rail. He uh, 
he looked at me and we were, we were sitting there and they were giving us our class breakdown. They're like, okay, you know, you can be a rifleman, a machine gunner, this, this, and this. And, um, you know, I had the aptitude to do, um, whatever I wanted. So I was like, red, I got to go blow stuff up. He's like, dude, we got to shoot machine guns. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're kind of right. So, uh, I ended up becoming a machine gunner and, um, when I was graduating uh, from school of infantry, I was, I was a little bit caught off guard because um, our battalion um, one seven, they sent the, uh, the senior staff NCOs down to, you know, to greet us and take us in. And we, our whole class, except for about five people um, went up to first battalion, seventh Marines. So it was about like 180 guys figure. Um, so as we're, as we're standing there, you know, it's roll call, they're calling you into what company you're going to by name. And, you know, this, this, company size formation, you know, big old rectangle guys are just going away. They're going to, you know, their individual companies and I'm standing there. And at the end of it, you know, we're, it's me and 18 people. And I'm like, what is going on? Why haven't they called my name? I'm not in, you know, we've got suicide Charlie over there, which is uh, one of the company names. I mean, historic, historic unit. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to suicide Charlie, like weapons company's already gone. It's me and these 18 guys. And uh, what had happened is they, the battalion looked at, uh, um, I guess, the, the inbound roster, and they saw that I had a, a pretty high GT score, um, a general technical score and uh, from my ASVABs, and uh, then uh, shot pretty well at the rifle range and had a good PFT score. So I was selected to go, um, as soon as I got to the battalion, to go over to the, um, the sniper platoon for uh, indoctrination and um, went through that process, um, and that was pretty much what what I was getting at there was that those 18 folks that were left standing behind, we were um, abruptly pulled aside and told, okay, get ready. You're going to go and be tested once again. So got up to 29 Palms, um, did my indoc. I was one of six uh, out of 18 that passed. Um, And about a month later, um, my company commander came to us. Well, actually he was our XO. He later became my company commander and he, he looked at us, uh, me and me and my roommate. Um, and he said, Hey guys, I know that you just got your butts rung through the dirt, but I need you to go back to being a machine gunner. Sorry about snipers. We're short and we're deficient. Oh, no. You're going like, okay. <laughs> that was like the first like like roller coaster peak in the you know the ebb and flow, which is the uh, the emotional uh, you know right. dealing with of the the military that I had to had to start working with. So um, went back uh, to being a machine gunner, and honestly, um, I'm super thankful that it, it turned out that way because um, I was actually able to do a lot of uh, a lot more things out in Iraq uh, that first deployment than. Uh, than what the snipers were doing. So it was, it was kind of nice, um, in that regard. And, um, I was, I was mentored and taught, uh, by some really outstanding senior Marines. Um, so went to Iraq for the first time in 2007. Um, I was with a combined anti-armor team. So we have, uh, missiles and the heavier machine guns of the battalion. Um, and uh, did operations from basically the northwest corner of Ramadi all the way out towards the Saudi Arabian side of the house, um, all the way up towards the Syrian border um, in Al Qaim. Um, I was in Al Saud. Uh, Hit was uh, the city just south of, uh, like, kind of southeast of Al Saud, where um, my battalion was located. And being a mobile unit, um, we kind of had some freedom of movement. So 
ended up in the center of Iraq over by Lake Tharthar, working and doing interdiction ops um, with the uh, light armored reconnaissance uh, units out there. Um, and then, you know, moving on to uh, being up at Christmas time uh, on the Syrian border in Al Qaim, we did a we did a push uh, paralleling the border, looking for anybody that was carting in or out, you know, um, bombs, bullets, band aids for the bad guys. So right. um, that was 2007 to 2008, um, and got back from that. Um, worked my way into a new position, and uh, you know, I was a lead vehicle driver in my my first deployment, and that. Uh, that executive officer that I was talking about that uh, became my company commander, um, he he was a Texas boy too, and he always told me he's like, I'll never ride in a truck with anybody that's driving but you. And I was like, Oh, sir, thanks, <laughs> man, that's awesome. And uh, so we got to we got to my second deployment. We went out to Fallujah, and uh, you know, and he looked at me. He's like, Well, you know, I guess it's not fair to make a corporal a driver, but uh, you know, so you'll have to be my vehicle commander. So I was, I got to uh, be the vehicle commander um, for uh, my captain at the time, um, and uh, we would push. We were the last battalion to hold Fallujah uh, in the Marine Corps. Um, everybody else had already pushed out, and we were in the middle of. Uh, transitioning it over to, you know, the Iraqi police, Iraqi army to, so they could start taking over their own, uh, operations in and out of the cities and whatnot. So we were, uh, as a, as a platoon, we were, um, taking the company commander into the heart of Fallujah, you know, a couple times a week to go to key leader engagements and, um, places where, you know, there used to be a heavy Marine presence, but Marines didn't go anymore because of the transitional phase that was going on. Um, so it was right. it was a really interesting deployment. Um it really uh it took me from being like an open desert mobile infantry kind of guy rolling around with tanks to our flanks to being in an environment in Fallujah where it's 360 degrees. I mean, you can look up and it's, you know, there's buildings five stories tall. Um, you know, and all around you you're you're surrounded with small alleyways and stuff like that. So it was it was it was an interesting transition from being like that desert warrior to an urban warrior. Um, but we, right. we got to do some really fun stuff. Um, and I, I walked away, um, incredibly proud thinking that, you know, we had done something that was going to last a while, um, over there. And, uh, you know, I, I got to watch, uh, women vote democratically for the first time in Iraq, like, you know, and, and stand guard while they did it. And like, that was like a takeaway that I was like, man, this is, you know, we, we did something here. That's and, you awesome. Know, yeah. I can imagine what that had to feel like. It was great. Um, you know, it, but three, four years later, you know, we saw what happened with ISIS and everything. So it was a little disparaging, yeah. um, but glad it's getting cleaned up once again. So um, that takes me out of Iraq in uh, about 2009 timeframe. Um, I got done uh, with that and uh, I tried to cross decks over to uh, another battalion so I could go to Afghanistan um, with, uh, with my buddy, Big Red. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing was that at that time um, with, with everything that had been going on and our operational tempo, um, we were, we were pretty stressed. It was a high stress environment. And, uh, so I had a first sergeant that was like, Hey bud, you need to, you know, like take a knee real quick. Like let's, let's get you going. I, I, you know, walked away from that second deployment, um, combat meritorious. I got, you know, I was awarded for some of my actions, um, just in general. And, uh, you know, so he, he at least had the, um, the ability to look at me and say, Hey bud, you know, it, it's time, you know, you don't, you don't want to stress yourself out too bad. And so, 
you know, going through those first two deployments were really the first times that I had to deal with, uh, um, you know, adversity and transition and, and all of these, you know, things like resiliency and what I'm having to work with veterans now on a daily basis about, you know, and, and making sure that we're strong and, and we're building up the building blocks that are needed so that someone can move forward, you know, and a lot of that stuff. And that was, heck, I, my second deployment, I was like 21 by the time I got back. So, you right. know, it's like pretty quick at a young age. And so um, when I was uh, in, in transition, you know, coming out of that, that deployment, um, as I said, I didn't get to cross decks over to, uh, um, to Afghanistan, but what I did get right. to do was uh, um, I was selected by uh, Marine Special Operations Command for just a generic brief. It was one of those things, once again, that my GT score, my ASVAB, and you know my uh, physical fitness and rifle score, so on and so forth. Like they, had, you know, had to go to a brief to hear it out. And you know, I really I thought I was going to get out at that point. Um, we had had some rough deployments. Um, the attrition rate of my guys that I came in to boot camp with and SOI, um, we were we were dropping down. I mean, I think eight people total reenlisted out of out of like my whole peer group. So wow. Um, yeah. So when Marsoc came down, you know, my dad was like, "Hey, bud, you know." you're pretty good at what you do. You, you really enjoy it. Like I can tell that you're passionate about it. He's like, what's the worst that can happen? Just, just try it out, give it a go. And he was right. So I did, I, uh, I was selected, um, in assessment and selection, uh, in 2011, um, and, uh, made my move out to North Carolina at that time. And, um, you know, I definitely, I, I, I'm thankful for what I learned coming out of 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, but I didn't, what I didn't know is that there was a different way to be a leader. Um, and that's something that, you know, getting around these, these warriors over at MARSOC and getting to see them and, you know, how they act, how they conduct themselves, how they treat, you know, their peers and their subordinates. It was a, it, it was transformational for me. So, um, you know, it really helped to drive home what was needed as far as a holistic approach to taking care of an individual. Um, and I've, I've been able to take that, foster it, and kind of, you know, turn it into something that uh, ha- has kind of been tried and true by now um, with just right. interactions on a with, daily basis. You work with, yeah, you work with the Upstate Warrior Solution, too, and I want to talk about that because that's mm-hmm. so very yeah. important. And I want to know how you got it, how you got into the program, and then um, tell us what, the pro- what you're doing now with the program. Sure, yeah, happily. Sure. So um, Upstate Warrior Solution is, a, is an organization um, in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, we cover down on five counties. And um, what we do is uh, we fill the gaps um, where we see deficiencies from the DOD to the VA. So um, the so president of my organization. For a, explain for a listener who's just kind of learning um, military lingo what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, we fill the gaps where, um, you know, a veteran who is dealing with the VA, um, he may be seen for, you know, say a shoulder injury and he's going to his medical appointments there, but, uh, and he's being compensated for it and, you know, has some adaptive programs that he needs help with. Well, we'll see that, okay, the VA is covering down on said adaptive program, but what else is going on? is that veteran's home 
modified to the things that he would need so that he can be successful and a good family member. Is there, is his spouse, his kids, are they being taken care of? Are there any programs we can get them in to understand why maybe daddy's got a little PTSD and how they can develop a plan for the family moving forward that allows them to work more cohesively as opposed to having that broken toy that's sitting in the living room and that that broken toy being that veteran. And I, I hate, um, when it when it comes to veteran care and veteran services, I, I've been victim of it myself, but you know, you, you kinda get sat down and you, you feel like you're a broken toy for a little bit. You're like, Well, I got I got, you know, wound up and taken a war and I got to do all this cool stuff and now I've come back and like I have to be I have to be depressed or I have to be, you know, have PTSD or I have to, you know, like be this person because I went to Iraq. And that doesn't that's not that's just absolutely absurd there there is strength that can come from all kinds of different experiences so what we like to do is uh as an organization is is really try and go from a holistic approach so we also help with um veterans and their education benefits so they for example we're up here by clemson university um we have a, we have somebody that is a prospective student to go up to Clemson. We'll help to get them uh, engaged with the Veterans Center up there and meeting some of the right people up there and make sure that their benefits that they're using them and maximizing out um, what benefits they have that they've earned. I mean, because the GI Bill is a great thing, but you know sometimes it's tough to to navigate um, what's going on. Same with the VA. A lot of times the VA really isn't out to get you. You know, you just yeah. you've got to be persistent. So we help to kind of grab the hand of that veteran and walk them through the process and make sure that they know that they're not alone dealing with it, that not only are there other veterans, but we as an organization are willing to stand up next to them and help them to get through their, their hard times. And I think it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful foundation. And when we talked before on the phone, you were telling me all about it. I just, I'm impressed by, all the other organizations too that you are working with. As a matter of fact, I think we have Andy Mamsey on who is with the uh, Warrior Surf Foundation. So let's go ahead and bring him on with us. Yeah, please. Uh, hi, hey Andy. Guys, are how you, you doing? Andy, how are what's you? up, Andy? <laughs> yes. We do, you yeah, might need to talk yeah. just a little bit louder in your phone. Yeah. You guys hear me better now? Yep. Yes, I can. So, Andy, tell us about Warrior Surf Foundation and how you know Chad. Um, I met Chad through Warrior Surf and um, another organization here in the Low Country. But Warrior Surf Foundation, we pretty much use the ocean as a healing remedy. We use it to uh, break the cycle of post-service inactivity, helping the body and the brain work through residual feelings of discomfort and distress, and. Um, mm-hmm. We bring we bring in the families as well, so it's a program that's set up not just for the veteran himself or herself, but their family as well. And we met Chad through we've all gone through an organization out in Missouri called Focus Foundation for uh, Marines and Navy Corpsmen. And uh, Chad had been introduced to another individual out there had worked with us down here in South Carolina. And one day, uh, Chad with his broken back showed up to surf and. We've been friends ever since. So <laughs> that's awesome. Now, is Warrior Surf Foundation everywhere, or is it only in the one location right now? So Warrior Surf, we're located in South Carolina, Folly Beach, 
and we're located up in uh, Emerald Isle, North Carolina, and we were in the plans of, you know, we've, we've had a lot of momentum over the past year, and really, really showed what we're doing is really effective. So now with the extra, you know, funds that we're, we're getting and training we're getting, we're, we're trying to bring this to other parts of the country. Uh, we've talked about at the board meeting, we talked about California, we've talked about Florida because there's a huge need. There's a huge gap in care, like Chad was saying earlier. And I think, you know, the, the VA as a whole is completely overwhelmed and the VA can't perform you know, there's not everyone needs these certain types of therapies. Not everyone needs to get thrown in the same pipeline of therapy. And a lot, what a lot of people need is just to be brought back in the community and heal through the community and get past their stuff through the community. And you can't expect the VA to do that. It's a hospital. It's a medical system that, you know, has to sh- deliver acute care. And there needs to be other groups out there like Upstate Warrior Solution or Vantage Point Foundation or Warrior Surf to kind of fill that void. So... So right. Andy's and being a, a little bit humble. A, what's that? I, I was just saying Andy's being a little bit humble, um, but he's absolutely on point. So Andy was uh, um, actually put up for CNN's top 10 heroes of the year this year for what he's done in working with the community and, and the impact that he's had on our community and, uh, and where he's striving and trying to go. Um, I'm incredibly honored to know him and the, program that he spoke of, Focused Marine Foundation, um, it kind of spawned off um, a new program out in Charleston, which is close to Folly Beach, where he's at. Um, and and so I, I guess that's kind of a good way to, to introduce uh, Vantage Point Foundation. So it's a program where we're, uh, we bring service members of all branches and of, of all types of service um, preferably combat-related, um, and we bring them in and we work on a resiliency program and package, and we have some really great instructors. And the way I like to describe it is, you know, we, we get to sit down and in a group of folks that are dealing with the same issues and battling the same demons, we get to kind of peel back the onion of what stinks. And we need to look back and say, you know, did, did something happen before your time in the military and, and that exacerbated an issue that has, you know, become PTSD or, you know, depression or whatever it is. Um, and how can we combat that? How can we give you some tools for the toolbox, some resources so that when you go home from our program, you walk home as a better husband, a better coworker, a better community member, a better member of the church. And while we do that down in, uh, down in Folly beach, um, we, we take you through the, uh, the emotional ringer, Andy gets to come in and in the afternoons take them all surfing. And it, it's a great way to kind of just relieve some stress, be out with your brothers, get past some, some disabilities or some phobias you might have had. Um, when I brought uh, my crew down there in October, we had a guy that had never swam in the Atlantic Ocean. He got in the ocean and was surfing that day thanks to Andy. Wow, that's awesome. And I love that you incorporate the families with this too. That's so important. People forget that. Yeah, it's, yeah you have to. Um, you know, when I get out, there wasn't, outside the VA, there wasn't a lot of programs that did anything like what our groups are doing now. And then one of the biggest things that was, wasn't there is there was just no family involved in the process. And if you have, you know, a serviceman or woman that's done three, four, five deployments and they get out, 
you know, and the family's just not whole, and they they got pretty much got a gorilla living in the living room all the time. Like, you know, the family's been in the trenches taking grenades for a long time, and how do you expect the family, the veteran, to get really, like, have some success without having his, his or her family's right alongside them? And if that's simply one one thing that we could do, I mean, that's that's worth a million. I don't even know what that's worth the value in that. And now, do you guys work with it. hospitals and and medical facilities that actually know about the the wounded warriors that get out and people with issues? Do they recommend your your program, or do they just find out about it on on a different? Um, it's a mixture. I know we have a lot of advocates throughout the medical community down here. Um, Good. And which which is good, and we have people like our our discs that know. Um, you know, I think you guys will talk about that more with Kim Bradley, but you know, people like Kim Bradley and her colleagues that know about what we do, and it's just an option that's that that is f- fulfilling a need that's so far from being met. It's not even funny. So there needs to be yeah. whether it's there's something about the ocean. Um, you could read a book called. Uh, the blue mind theory, and he, he goes through it a lot about what the ocean itself does. But you throw in an activity and you throw like-minded individuals with you and their families, you got a perfect a perfect recipe there for, for success, you know, if you stick with it. So, right. Yeah, we're, we're well, excited. thank you for, you know, and, yeah, thank you for what you do. I really appreciate, appreciate it. And, um, I mean, my husband served 30 years. He's a retired colonel. So, uh, now at the Pentagon, but I know I've. Um, it's kind of neat that all the kids that were that he commanded uh, all still keep in touch with him, and they're very well connected. And I think that's another part of it is having that camaraderie with people yeah, that understand what you've been through, and it's so important to keep that level of um, friendship going, no matter what. Yeah. So thank you for your service. Thirty married to a. A guy for 30 years that was in the military, you deserve a medal yourself. <laughs> I did write work. a book called I did yeah. write a book called 12 Army Wives Give the Best Advice They Never Got. Um, and it was did very well, but it's really important, too, for the families to understand what's going on as well. And so that's why we wrote the book. But um, And how proud for you to be on the, the CNN's Top Ten Heroes. Um, congratulations for that. That's just amazing. And how can people find your um, website? Where do they go? So it's warriorsurf.org, www.warriorsurf.org. It's Warrior Surf Foundation on Facebook, Warrior Surf on Instagram, and find us on Twitter. Yeah, you go check us out. We're getting better with our social media and keeping everyone up to date on what we're doing. We're doing a lot more than just surfing. So, yeah, keep go check us out. Excellent. So, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks well, Andy, thanks for popping in. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I can have you guys on again and everybody give updates on everything that's happening. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Right, Andy, we'll love you, ya. bro. Love you too, man. See ya. And I believe we have uh, Kim Bradley calling in. So I want to go ahead and bring Kim on as well now. So Awesome. Hi, Kim. Is that you? Hi, Donna. How are you? Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Good. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for calling in. I mean, uh, your yeah. background is just amazing. But tell us, 
first, I want to know about your background real quickly, if you could tell the listeners. And I want to talk some of the pro about the programs that you're working with and how you know Chad. Yeah, well, um, first of all, I guess, you know, biggest thing is I, uh, Marine Corps wife, um, my husband retired four years ago from the Marine Corps after serving almost 26 years. Um, and so I have been uh, given the opportunity as a nurse to be exposed to an organization called the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, which every branch of service has a relief society. And um, ours is unique in a way that they had started a nursing program back in 1926 in Beaufort, um, helping actually to support families that weren't eligible for TRICARE. And so the program, a nursing program, had grown over the years um, and, you know, really serving kind of in more of a traditional element with new moms and babies, retirees, medical cases. And in 2006, um, actually my husband was at the Pentagon. Uh, We were stationed at Quantico, and I was given the opportunity to start um, one of the nurses to help start our combat casualty arm of our nursing program. So that had then exposed me to working uh, with veterans and family, or actually active duty and family, Marines and sailors specifically um, in Bethesda and Walter Reed as they were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. So more in the acute setting. And at that time in 0607, um, the Marine Corps Wounded Warrior Regiment was standing up in Quantico and then the other um, support uh, wounded warrior elements throughout the other branches. So it was just kind of, you know, been kind of in that since it's all evolved and um, really looked at our program and what we did as combat casualty nurses at really providing emotional support and assistance financially as our um, traditional services for the Relief Society. But as we had worked with our active duty and veterans throughout their transitions to the rehab setting and back into their communities, we were really seeing where the gaps occurred and um, really utilized our program into working uh, and spreading nationwide and covering all 50 states and, and being able to work with uh, our military and veterans as they trans- transition back home. And that really gave us a, a broader perspective on seeing where those needs were and, um, and kind of for us to fill in that gap on a medical front. So we are very unique in that the, the role that I play here is, um, you know, I'm the only one that covers the state of South Carolina and I cover Missouri. Wow. <laughs> and, it, and it, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been quite, uh, quite an undertaking with, you know, it, it's been a blessing really and an honor, but, with the amount of people, you know, that we are trying to serve and help, we know there's a, a vast need. And not just, you know, our main focus has been war-related um, combat injured or, you know, whether it's invisible wounds or physical wounds, but really seeing that there's a need with understanding and, and dealing with transition and reintegration in general for um, any of our service members uh, transitioning out into their communities. But uh, a while back, the Marine Corps had actually uh, introduced me to that Focus Marines Foundation organization in Missouri. My husband and I grew up in St. Louis. We were high school sweethearts, and when he joined the Marine Corps, we were, uh, you know, we started out there. And um, so it was kind of an honor to be able to go back to Missouri and work with this organization um, and see the impact that it was making specifically for Marines' lives and seeing, um, as I worked with them, our nursing program and the Marine Corps and the Wounded Warrior program Uh, was able to partner with Focus. So we had Marines like Chad coming to the program. um, And once they went through the course, they would return back home to the state of South Carolina. And I would work with them in my role, really taking that holistic case management approach and looking at and identifying the needs, medically, non-medical needs, and working, you know, with Chad and his 
a VA team. He's got a wonderful case manager. So we kind of network. I've networked my way throughout our VA system and, and other community providers, really serving as an advocate and helping um, him and others navigate through um, the system and, and looking at whatever their needs are, helping with goals, reinforcing that, and, and really having that focus to redefine their mission and purpose. And, and that's what the FOCUS program and their model really does. They're a fabulous organization. But um, having done this work for as long as I have now, almost 12 years, and specifically in South Carolina, there's been you know, kind of I've been asked by multiple providers, what is there for other branches? And unfortunately, my role as a combat casualty nurse generally has been serving more of the Navy and Marine Corps because that's where we're funded um, to right. focus on. And, and I wanted to really do something to help more. Not that I, I actually have other branches of service on my caseload, um, just because I can't say no, it's just who I am. But um, wanting to really <laughs> expand, um, you know, expand it out more because we knew there was a need, greater need. The Marine Corps DISC program, District Injured Support Coordinator Program, they have a Marine traditionally that would cover every state as well. So the Marine who covered South Carolina with me, they were the Marine Corps was cutting back on their DISC program, and so really was just me covering the state. But we figured, you know, let's take the focus model and bring that to South Carolina because the facilitators of the program actually wanted to do more work with um, other branches. And so myself, my husband, and uh, Mark Holyfield, who's our executive director of Vantage Point, have then formed um, – Vantage Point Foundation, which is modeled after Focus, but it's for we're kind of taking a different approach here, and it's more for veterans of all branches in South Carolina. Um, but really, we'll put them through the course, which really I like to say focuses on personal growth and development and more leadership refinement. So we're really helping change the narrative, you know, for veterans really, you know, appearing and being broken, as I think Chad said earlier. Um, because we've got so many wonderful veterans with great, um, I mean, just who they were as Marines and soldiers. And, you know, they have so much more to offer in a leadership role in their community. And instead of being at home isolating, self-medicating, you know, due to the transition stress or their symptoms from combat, you know, really trying to build that sense of community healing and purpose and giving them an opportunity to reconnect and build camaraderie and brotherhood in another way and taking that through that week of the course, and then we're offering a one-year support continuum to really model my program and the Marine Corps program and more of a holistic approach with that veteran family and supporting them on their journey in collaboration with um, Andy's program with Warrior Surf and with Upstate Warrior Solutions. So, you know, I really feel we have just such a great it's a blessing in this state that we have such great organizations and leaders and people willing to collaborate and work together um, because it truly takes a village to help, um, you know, get people through. And, you know, you, your husband's retired, and I know you had – is he retired? Is that what you had mentioned earlier uh, after 30 years? retired but still working. He's working with the Secretary yes. of Defense. He's over at the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well – Legislative affairs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I know my husband, you know, after 26 years, he actually retired as a lieutenant colonel, so he was he was a Mustang. But uh, – he, yeah. you know, had his own difficulties in his transition. And I, you know, he yeah. never reminds me, you have an example, but, you know, I, I, it doesn't matter what rank you are and who you are. You, you still are dealing with transition stress and the, re, you know, development of identity, who you are and who do you want to be. And, and the ability to, you know, my husband is always, 
I feel like has always been a great mentor and, and that's what he's always part of himself and wanting yeah. to be with Marines and mentoring. And when you get away from that, um, you know, it's like you just feel like you're not making a difference anymore. So um, he has, you know, one thing I love about our course and just in general is that we really mentorship and providing peer mentors and senior mentors to surround our veterans with. Um, so we give everybody the opportunity to still be helping each other and realizing that nobody needs to go through all this alone. And, you know, I love the ability to collaborate and work with, you know, such great guys um, as Chad and Andy and who are very special to me. And, you know, I just uh, really feel honored to really be able to do the work I do and have been able to give, been given this opportunity. Um, you know, I feel it's my well, calling. I mean, you're, so. you're a blessing. Yeah, you're a blessing because there's not a lot of people that, you know, know about programs like this. And one, one question I want to ask you, you know, we're talking about yeah. husbands and, and they're older, you know, I mean, they're, they're not like the age of Chad. You, do you find it, um, and I find it, but I'm just wondering if you as a nurse, if you see that it's more difficult for the older generation to ask for help or to believe they really mm-hmm. need the help versus yeah. the younger yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like do. Like the old school, I do. they just don't believe it. You know, I don't have it. But mm-hmm. yet, I do see things with my husband as well. I I, I know you do yeah. with yours. Yeah. And so, thankfully, he's noticing it now. But it was a struggle yeah. to get him to notice. And well, so, absolutely. I'm glad that the younger generation is, is stepping up and saying, hey, I need the help. And with people yeah. like you and Chad and Andy, um, I mean, I think they could really – you know, we could branch this out all over the United States. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the the thing, too, is, you know, it, you leave service and, and you get out. And I, I think one of the things that, that you see and we see all the time is a uh, is a snowball effect. You get home. You're not operating at the same uh, op tempo that you were working at while you were in service. You're at home. Now you're sitting on the couch. Now you're getting – you're adding a few pounds on and then you're not doing the same things. You miss your brothers, so you get a little depressed. Then you get on a, a medication to help you with the depression, and then all of a sudden now the next thing is panic attacks because you're isolating yourself in the house, and then it gets worse. It compounds, and then now you're on a new med, and then you know take that three months out, and you're on six different meds from the VA, and you're wondering why you know, you're so depressed, but you've changed your whole life. When you transition – you have to set goals and what focus does for us and what vantage point does for us is it helps you to kind of set bracketing limits and say, look, you know, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to miss what you've had. It's okay to move forward because let me tell you what other people have been through or what your brothers are going through right now. And let me give you some tools to move forward so that you can be as successful as possible. Um, and having people like Kim, which we call her Mother Teresa, it's kind of <laughs> one of the things that everybody knows. Um, she is is one of those people that um, she's able to to really get out there and and find these folks that are that are having a rough time. And that's that's something that um, you know with that that generational thing. I mean, I was taught in the Marine Corps, you don't go see the corpsman because if you go see the corpsman, you're not going to be able to deploy. And if you can't deploy, you're useless to us. So you never go to medical and then you get out and all of a sudden you have to sit down and you have to talk about all these things. And it's like, it feels overwhelming. It's like 
a torrential downpour of like, wow, man, like your ankle, your wrist, your knee, your hip, you know, both shoulders are torn, you know, your C5's twisted, your back's blown out, you've got a traumatic brain injury, oh, and by the way, you got diagnosed with ADHD now, and it's like, whoa, whoa, where did all this come from? But it's things that you've put off. And then the VA looks at you and says, well, you don't have any, any findings from any prior, you know, visits to your doc about it. And it's like, well, I was always told don't go see doc. So now it's like we're in an uphill fight. So you have to have people like Kim and uh, people like Stacy Reeves. She, uh, she addressed my, uh, my case manager up here at the VA. I wouldn't be anywhere with any of these foundations or what I'm doing now without her. She's the one that found me. I was in an extremely depressive state with a roommate that was incredibly unstable. And, um, you know, I was uh, able to push forward in a, in a pretty expedited manner because I was sent by my case manager to focus and I met Kim and then vantage point came around and then warrior surf was there. And then I went to work for upstate warrior solution. So I'm very fortunate in how things transpired for me, but at the same time, I, I will say that, uh, you know, it, it's a need. And the guys that I worry about the most are the ones that don't ask for help. They're the ones that have hold themselves right. up in a house and mm-hmm. they're sitting on the couch playing video games and yeah. reading the news online and getting depressed and angry at the world and wondering why they can't help. Because I think one of the, one of the coolest things about military service is you feel like you can make a difference. Regardless of whether you're on the ground in wherever the fight is, it doesn't matter. You feel as though you have a place that is going to make a difference in world change. And when you lose that on top of the loss of the brotherhood, on top of compounding the fact that now you have to accept all of these injuries that you have and you have to make a complete cultural change from everything you've known. For me, it was a decade. I was in for 10 years. You know, um, and all of that at once is thrown at you. So if you can't make the time and get out there and ask for help, seek guidance, Look for groups that are willing to help you. Just get a pat on the butt, not give you the 100% solution because we need you to be an active participant. I'm not here to hand you a solution. I'm here to help you with your solution, and I need that individual to be able and willing to work through whatever is going on. And that's, I think, one of the key things in all of the things that we do um, in interacting with veterans is not uh, enabling a victim mentality because once you gain a victim mentality – it's it's very easy to go down a slippery slope of well I'm owed this or you know what oh, is me and it, yeah. it just gets worse. Right. Yeah, no, you I know agree. I want to ask both That's... you a question before we go because I have a really uh, you know there's a lot of listeners today and um, I'll ask you first, Kim. Words of advice yeah. if someone's listening right now and they're in a bad place, what would you say to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out for help. One of, one of the best phrases I've learned from my Marines is there's never been a fire team of one. So they're always taking care of their buddy to their left and the right while they're active duty. And why should that be any different when they're out on the other side? And, and so if they know a peer, know somebody that they can call and reach out to, more than likely that other person, if it's a veteran or someone in the military, they, they absolutely will be there to help. And there truly are a ton of great resources. If there's any issues with the VA, don't let that be a brick wall to keep you from getting mm-hmm. moving forward. Really reach out because there are some great organizations, obviously, like ours, as Navy Marine Corps Relief and, and um, other national entities that um, 
you know, to really care and will help that person navigate and get them directly to where they need to be. But the biggest thing is I always say pick up the 500-pound phone and ask for help and know that it's okay. And everyone at all ranks, all branches of service are struggling. And just accepting the fact that the transition struggles are very real um, is is just what they need to, to really understand. And actually, real quick, there's an article in the Task and Purpose that was published, I think, about two weeks ago, actually looking at, um, it was specifically on transition stress and, and noting mm-hmm. there's never been research done on transition stress um, specifically, but, you know, even if someone doesn't have war-related issues or, or is dealing with something related to PTSD or having brain injury symptoms, whatever, it is very real that transition stress exists. Um, due to the loss of purpose and, and trying to find that new identity. Um, it's difficult for oh, people absolutely. to look introspectively and look at themselves. And yeah. Say, who, who am I? Who do I want to be now that I'm not that, that leader that I was in, in the Marine Corps or the Army or the other branches of service? So really understanding that this is very normal, and once it can be normalized and discussed and worked on with others, then it becomes more comfortable. And there are a lot of people out there that understand it's just that person needs to allow themselves to finally reach out and and accept and ask for help. Well, that's perfect, Kim. Thank you so much. And, and there's a lot of people, there's a, um, there's a lot of people out there, uh, that, you know, we've got this, you know, the high rate of suicide going on right now. Um, and with you having gone through all these programs and having the camaraderie with other veterans as well, if someone's listening right now, what are your words of advice to them? I'd say uh, the the biggest thing that I've learned, um, regardless of situation, regardless of gender, regardless of experience, regardless of tenure in service, when you get out, if you're in a bad spot, if you're in a a cycle of depression, if you're in a cycle of, you know, uh, marital disputes, whatever it is, change the cycle. Get outdoors. That is my big push. I love what Andy does because – once you get out to the ocean, there's nobody you can yell at except for the wave that just tossed you off a board. You need to find ways to uh, you know, release the tension that you have, whether it's stress, whether it's anger, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's panic attacks. You need to find a way to start learning how to safely compartmentalize. I would highly encourage anybody that is listening to ensure that they find a vet center. A vet center is a program um, that is nationwide. It's counselors for military service members that have gotten out. That's completely free. um, And it, and it is outstanding. I go once a week. My guy uh, that I talked to, he was a retired infantry guy from Iraq. He's a social worker now. Um, his name is Rob Kennedy. I've, I've brought him down and introduced him to Kim just because of I, I believe that his ideal of uh, the warrior transition is a really cool platform. He talks about like wandering warriors turning into elder warriors. And he kind of has like a, a, a spiel that he goes on about like how that wandering warrior is going to go on his adventure when he gets out of he or she gets out of service and he's going to hopefully one day everybody should become an elder warrior. So, but with that said, find the counselor and know that you're not weak. You're not someone who uh, should feel broken or disparaged by seeking assistance. Um, Just talking with someone is nothing bad. Even if you're put on medication, it's not that bad. 
And the key, honestly, is getting outdoors and breaking your cycle. You've got to break your cycle. If you are someone who sits on the couch and plays video games all day, you need to get outdoors. If you're somebody who goes and uh, does extreme adventuring and, and that's why you're having issues, well, maybe you should ground yourself. So there's no, there's no like 100% solution, but I believe that um, between counseling and breaking your cycle, whatever that cycle is, I think that you're going to be able to find new windows of opportunity and also be able to learn a lot about yourself and how you can break cycles that you were doing that might be uh, a detriment to where you're trying to go in your forward progress. That's great words of advice, Chad. And you know what? I want to thank you guys so much for coming on today. Chad, you've been just a blessing to me, and I'm hoping that um, this platform, you guys can come on again and we can get the more awareness to your foundations and have you talk a little more about other things that are going on. But thank you, Kim, as well. I really appreciate everything you guys are both doing and good luck to both of you. But I, uh, let's do this again. I would love to have you guys back on. You guys are just a wealth of information. So um, thank you for the opportunity, Donna. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Chad. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Let me know, Donna. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye. Uh Bye. Take care. Oh, everyone, that was a wonderful show. Um, Chad, Kim, and Andy, all great foundations. Everybody's doing work for our veterans uh, and former veterans themselves, and just beautiful people, uh, great information. So remember, if you are having a hard time, please reach out to someone. There's always someone you can talk to, and there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Uh, It's really important that you do. Everybody, you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back on the Lions Radio Network on Monday with my host, Gina Renee, and myself with a new show called Party Line. You don't want to miss it. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.
Just visit W4CY.com and click on the Listen Live button every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern to listen to your book, your brand, your business, Write, Publish, Succeed.